Thanks for listening to Schlereth and Evans On Demand, presented by Bathfitter. Hey guys, if you drop the ball when it comes to your bath or shower remodel, Bathfitter doesn't just fit your bath, they fit your budget and schedule. Bathfitter will install a tub or shower in just one day. Bathfitter's price guarantee is a slam dunk. Bathfitter, it just fits. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. Time now for the DenverSports.com front page. Stop what you're doing and listen. Taking a look at the top stories in Denver sports taken from your online home for the best opinions and information on the Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies, and more. What in the name of Dan Issel? With today's DenverSports.com front page, here's Schlereth and Evans. Let's go, Nate. Chop, 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 chop. Let's not be uh, grab-assing with Mark here. we got work to do. We've got the uh, DenverSports.com front page Quit to get to. It. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and Nate Jackson staying in now for the last hour with uh, Stink leaving. So at DenverSports.com, we have Jake Shapiro giving his play-by-play account of the D'Amico Ryan's press conference. In which, when he was introduced as the Texans coach yesterday, he said, quote, we're thankful for the Broncos. It wasn't a difficult decision to come to H-Town. It was very easy. Jake interpreted that as a diss towards the Broncos. Mm. How do you uh, read it? I don't think it's a diss. H-Town, the way he, the way he called it H-Town. You know, he's so familiar with it. He was ready to come back. I think he's saying he, we're thankful for the Broncos, maybe. Because I gave him some leverage with Houston uh, to be able to get a better contract? I don't really know. But, no, I don't think it was a diss. I think it was just kind of stars aligned for him to go back to H-Town. But when he says that, <laughs> and, and, and I'm, I don't take it as a diss either, but but here's what I wonder and what I find interesting. All I've been told all week, Broncos, we didn't make an offer to anybody until Sean Payton. We were not turned down. Right. Sean Payton... Adam Schefter came on and said it was a very fluid situation and all that matters is that Sean Payton was their final choice. But isn't it easy to read between the lines right there and say that in order to choose Houston, H-Town, you had to be offered by somebody else, correct? Didn't he just say we're thankful for Denver? I mean, the the, the report is that the Denver... It wasn't a difficult decision. Right. To come to H Town, it was yeah. very easy. Yeah, I don't know. I think we're we're, we're splitting hairs. Splitting hairs. Yeah, a little bit. A little I think two that, things can be true at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it was a long shot to land that guy. Um, and I know that Greg Penner was enamored with him because he interviewed so well and and he presented himself so well. Coupled that with his resume, but at the same time, H Town was calling him. I think there's just too many too many signs there for him to turn that down. I don't care if they offered to. D'Amico Ryan's. I don't care if they offered to Jim Harbaugh. All I care about is they got the guy that I wanted all along. Yeah. And that's all that matters. I don't even care if he was the third choice. He's here now. Yeah, it's, um, you know, when you're drafting, let's say you're drafting eighth in the draft, you got a lot of guys that you might like, you know, and one of them might not be available. So you go to the next guy. It's not a horrible thing to actually be okay with multiple talented Prospects and, and these coaches are the same way. I mean, all these guys are really smart football men. It's, a, it's not to say that you could only work with one of them. You know what I'm saying? Sean Payton is the guy. D'Amico Ryan's, Ryan's probably would be a great coach here as well. DMAC, writing at denversports.com, and then following through with an exhausting 
rant <laughs> with James Merrillat during the drive yesterday. Not happy with Greg Penner playing Personal. golf yesterday. Mm-mm-mm. He writes, this is a billionaire's playground, and Penner has accumulated the wealth to be on the monkey bars. However, this year is different. It would have meant much more if Penner was logging in superficial hours at Broncos headquarters rather than horsing around with Carl Spackler from Caddyshack. Is it a bad look that Condoleezza Rice and Greg Penner were playing golf yesterday instead of hammering out the final details, crossing those T's and dotting those I's with Sean Payton? Number one, I would answer that by saying no, and then I would return that uh, question to you. Is it a bad look? The DMAC left town this weekend as well. He missed work on Friday. He missed work on Monday to come back on Tuesday. But he missed a really good portion of this discussion. Good point. Is he is he looking in the mirror? I wonder. Mike. Interesting, interesting. And he'll tell you. And I know from talking to him, this was a trip that was planned. Of course, for you some know, time. You know what? Great. Wasn't, it's your kids' Was it Greg Penner planned? Wasn't this planned for like three months? Look, it's planned. Ooh. You want to go see your kids' baseball game? Ah, yes. That's great. But you know what would have been more impressive? Yeah. If he canceled the trip. Yeah. To stick around and see this coaching search through. And put on some superficial hours here at the fan. Exactly. Take that data. Yes. Oh, you are my hero. Very nice. D-Mac. Done. And he also, I want to say this. Very hypocritical. You're right. I also want to say this about D-Mac. Because he's leveled a lot of uh, criticism at Jerry Rosberg. Uh-huh. For his... Jer Bear. Jer Bear. For his 12-minute dissertation when he first took the, mm-hmm. the mic. D-Mac has a four-hour dissertation every day. Oh. Right? Yeah. What's wrong with Jerry Rosberg having a 10-minute little speech? He, he's been waiting his whole life to have if that. If you add up... All of the 20 minute rants at the start of every show in which he just responds to something I said. Inconceivable. Add them all up over the course of the years. It goes way beyond 12 minutes. Easy. Way beyond, I mean, like 12 hours. Coach, did Josh Allen. Here's here's the thing. And I've played golf with D-Mac. So it's clear he hasn't spent much time on a golf course. You get a lot of business done on the golf course. Yeah, a lot of work gets done. A lot of deals get done. And besides, do you think Greg Penner's grinding away, writing in the language of the contract? No. He's got people for that. Yeah. And, and Sean Payton knows that. You know, Sean- you think Sean Payton right now is waiting, pacing, wearing out a rut in his rug at home? Oh, my goodness. When am I going to get the okay to start putting together a coaching staff and start putting together my training camp plans and start looking at film? I can't do any of that right now. Although it Come would be. On. But at the same time, it's going to be nice when the ink is actually yeah, but dry. And we have our opening press conference with it's Sean 2023. Payton. It's 2023. It's 2023. What does that mean? Can get, meaning if we learned anything. DocuSign? Is it going to DocuSign? Yeah, exactly. DocuSign this bad boy. And if we learn anything during a COVID world, guess what? We can get a lot of work done, a lot accomplished, not being face to face. Yeah, that's true. Don't but worry. There's about nothing it. like face to face, Mike. It's I just know. you know having you here right now yeah, rather man. than being down the yeah. line. It's awesome. It's awesome. Last yeah. thing too. Last thing too. Let me and let me just say for yeah, you could have had Greg Penner back here. You could have worked out the deal, got it all done, and had a press conference today, but. I hate Friday press conferences. Yeah. I hate them. That's that's news dump time. That's right. where you're dumping bad news or I- irrelevant news. You do it on Fridays. I want the Broncos to have Sean Payton out front on Monday, the start of Super Bowl week, 
so that you got all these people talking football, talking Super Bowl at the Super Bowl, Radio yeah. Row, we won't be there, and and <laughs> why uh, won't we be? And and talking about Sean Payton yeah. as the new coach. I think it's I think it's great. I think it's great timing. So I'd much rather have it done on Monday than uh, today. Uh, Will Peterson is upset. Mm. He says the Avalanche are gouging their fans. That they have. Oh, I'm sorry. Jake Shapiro's upset. Sorry, Will. Jake is uh, very upset because the Avalanche are jacking up playoff prices, gouging the fans after winning the Stanley Cup. And yeah, the cost of 2023 postseason Avs tickets are going up by as much as 271 percent. Wow. How do you feel? Wow. How, wow. Do you, how do you feel about the Avalanche? Coming off of Stanley Cup with designs on winning another one, charging a lot more money for playoff tickets. They better win another one, Mike. They better win another one if they're going to charge people 271% more. Um, but it's also the way it goes, right? The, the, you talked about the modern world. You can dock your sign, you can zoom, and sure enough, people are going to raise prices on you when they can. Um, is inflation part of this? The cost of everything oh, it's, there? It, it's, it's supply and demand. Right, and, and, upkeep and, at the and, arena. And believe me, believe me, I have no problem ripping the Cronkies for their business moves. The, the, the TV disaster is, is just that. It's terrible business. Terrible business. You got a two-time MVP and a Stanley Cup champion, and 92% of your, your, your fans can't see you on regular yeah. TV. Mm-hmm. So... That's bad business. This is good business. Yeah. If if you're lucky enough to have the the Stanley Cup champions, it is a business. Don't let's not ever forget. Pro sports is business. It's big business. And if you've got the uh, demand, then make people pay for it because you know they're gonna pay for it. What do you What do you think that Avalanche fans are gonna take one look at these these ticket prices and say, oh, "I'm not going"? You know every. Game will be sold out, and the secondary market will be out of out of control as well. Hey, they got the product. Might as well capitalize on it. Wow, you're siding with the billionaires. I am siding. Well, I, I think it's just jack it up. It's just good business, is it? Supply and demand. It's two seventy one. Supply and demand. Is that a little too much? But though? is it? Is it? Isn't that what our whole uh, capitalist market is based on? Supply and demand. You want what I got? Fine. Are you willing to pay for it? You are? Then great. Yeah, you saw saw all those people at the parade, right? There's going to be people who want to pay, who will pay for that. But the question is, um, is it fair? Is it right? Is it ethical? Nobody cares, right, when you're a businessman. I'm I'm a Bruce Springsteen fan. He just started a new world tour. And the ticket prices to see Bruce Springsteen are astronomical. People are complaining about it. I, I don't have the exact numbers, but... All you have to do is Google Bruce Springsteen ticket prices, and people are like, I can't believe how much he's charging his loyal fans who've been going to a hundred of his shows over the last 50 years. How can he do that to us? And guess what? His first concert? Sold out. Mm. And they'll all be sold out. You've been to hundreds? No, I haven't been oh, to some. How, how many have I've you been? I've been to two Bruce Springsteen concerts. Oh, cool. Funny story about <laughs> quick one. Tell me. So he came through here once. This was, oh my goodness, this was like, uh, it had to be over 20 years ago. And so it was a, it was like a March concert, something like that. And it was a lousy day here. 
and they couldn't fly into Denver. So they flew into Colorado Springs and then drove up. And the concert didn't start for like, it was like delayed like an hour and a half, two hours. So it didn't start till like nine o'clock or so. And that didn't matter with them. They play three, three and a half hour shows. So they're wow. going, they're going after midnight, right? Wow. So, and the crowd's into it. Everyone's having a great time. I'm there with my wife, right? <laughs> it's, it's after midnight and they are playing Born to Run and they are jamming. And the crowd's going crazy. It's it's classic Springsteen, right? I look at my wife like, isn't this awesome? She's sound asleep. Wow. <laughs> sawing logs Saw right there. logs during Born to Run. How's that possible? That's late, though. It was 1230. That is late. It was like, oh, it was after midnight. On our show yesterday, we were talking about who is the greatest entertainers of all time. Ooh. And uh, a few people on the text line were throwing out Springsteen. Well, I've been lucky enough to see Springsteen, The Stones, U2, David Lee Roth. Yeah. Uh, Van Seriously. Yeah. yeah. No. All those were All mentioned those, yesterday yeah. on our text. Boy, line. I had to choose one. I still think Mick Jagger's the best. You think so? Oh, man. Mick well, Jagger. He just shakes those hips. He just shakes those In hips. those wow. ladies' clothes. Yeah, he's able to wear. <laughs> oh, okay. So, right, so what's the, the final verdict on them raising the ticket prices? Are you mad at the avalanche? I, I, I would assume they always get, everything gets raised every year these days. But that seems like a bit extreme. 271% increase? In, not all seats, but but well, some of them, yes. The mean increase, whatever that is, it's that's mean. It's mean, Mike. Let's see. I'm just trying to look at the... Um, let's see here. What's like, what, what would you consider the, the, the seats? So, okay, so 2022, I'm looking at some of the cheaper seats. So, okay. So the upper level seats last year... Uh, by the Stanley Cup Finals, the upper level seats were going anywhere from thirty eight to sixty three dollars. Okay, that's if you just buy if you just buy them. Yeah, not not have to go through the secondary market. Those same seats uh, for round three will be upwards of uh, basically between like a hundred and a hundred and twenty. Yeah, that's not so bad. I mean, you compare that to a Broncos ticket, for example. That's that's still yeah. cheap. Like you know. Um, so that's not too bad, but that's a, that's amazing that you could. You're saying you could get into the playoffs last year for 38 bucks. Well, yeah, if you, yeah, pretty incredible. That's Huge. that's probably too low. Yeah, Huge. I don't blame them. You, you got the stand now. Now it's <laughs> it's quite another thing if the Colorado Rockies are raising ticket prices. You yeah. got a, you got a, a, a terrible product in your raising. A lot of times, prices. W tonight it didn't happen. But right. if you're the Stanley Cup champs and you're getting ready for another long playoff run, yeah, hey, does this money make, make some money off Mike, of it? Mike, but does this money trickle down to the employees who work at Ball Arena, who work for the Avalanche, or is this just going to line Stan Kroenke's pockets? I think that's a, an important question. What do you think? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's a magnanimous kind of guy. He wants to give everyone raises based on the success of the team. There, you think it's his business? Well, but it's also it's the business. price of living. It's, it's inflation. Y'all need more money, it's a Mike. Business. Everyone needs more it's money. A business. I can only imagine what the text line. I can imagine some of the texts I'm getting right now. All right. Let me take a quick look. Just That's not too bad. Let me take a quick look. Okay. Horrible take there, Comrade Evans. <laughs> okay. All right. 
<laughs> uh, Jake Shapiro again at denversports.com. Nikola Jokic didn't lose the NBA, NBA MVP in January. He only got better. Yes. Nikola Jokic, the Western Conference Player of the Month for January. Averaged 24 points, 11.5 rebounds, 11 assists. Wow. While shooting 68% from the field, 54% from three-point range during 12 games. Nuggets went 10-2 and two during those games. He's dialed in, man. He's, he is he's, dialed he's, in. He's in his bag, as the kids say. Um, and the rest of the Nuggets just have to come with him on this playoff run. After the All-Star break, he's, he needs his buddies to step up and play better basketball. I know I know it's, it's hard to say that when they're in first place by four games. But to win a championship... His guys are going to have to play better. You watched him against Philly last weekend, and there wasn't a lot of action around him. He didn't have his best game because his buddies weren't playing that well. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a lot tougher in the playoffs than what they've seen so far. That is what's going on at uh, denversports.com, the denversports.com front page. I do want to circle back to the Nuggets because I thought there was some uh, very interesting comments made by Michael Malone and especially Jamal Murray that I would love to get your perspective on because I I think if you're a Nuggets fan and and you are dreaming big with this team and what they can accomplish this year what you heard from Jamal Murray last night was just like goosebump type stuff mm. it, it really was we'll get to it in a second but I want to pass along a little bit of uh, breaking news this is from Ian Rappaport the Broncos have requested to interview with Steelers linebackers coach and senior defensive assistant Brian Flores Ooh. for their defensive coordinator position under Sean Payton. Hate it. Hate it? Hate it. Hate it? Just Brian keep, Flores just... was a really... Yeah! Brian Flores has Super Bowl rings. Just keep it what you got right now. Just make it work with these guys. Because there's... You need Idro Evero on this staff. You need someone on the staff who was here. Last year, who understands why things went wrong and how to get the most out of some of these players? You get about seventy percent of these guys are going to be back. The players on this roster. So, how do we get them playing well? How do we get them on the same page? Ejiro Evero knows what went wrong last year. He actually knows what went wrong with Russell too. Even though he's a defensive coordinator, this is a man who's a very intelligent man. He's paying attention to everything. He has aspirations to be a head coach. His best buddy was the head coach. So I'm sure they were talking all the time about how to fix what's going on here. And his best buddy wasn't able to get through to Russell Wilson for whatever reason and got fired because of it. But Ezra Everett, I think, learned some really, really valuable lessons, not just about coaching, but about Russell Wilson. Now, if everybody from that staff is gone, then Russell's, boop, he's got his walls back up. And you got to try to penetrate that enigma that is Russell Wilson again. I think having some people who are a little more familiar with him around would be really. Do you really think that Sean Payton needs uh, Ezra Evero to to clue him in as to what what's going on with Russell Wilson these days? Well, sure. I don't think so. I mean, not like his technique on the field, but the but his, even his personality, the things that went wrong off of it. Don't you think that's pretty widely viewed knowledge around the NFL? No. When you had Colin Coward mouthpiece for Sean Payton during this whole thing, when it looked like maybe. Sean wasn't going to come here. You had Colin Coward saying, you know, hey, do you really want this job with all of the quirks and the idiosyncrasies that that go along with Russell Wilson? Is that really a job you want? Come on. he's. We know he's been talking to Sean Payton throughout all this, so that that's coming from Payton. He's aware of the Russell Wilson experience. To an extent, he's never coached him before. 
He's never seen him every single day, come to work, sit in meetings, go to practice. But his schedule up against the coach's schedule, have his State of the Union meetings, how does that translate to the installation they're trying to do the very next day on Wednesday? What it's like? There's just so many little, little idiosyncrasies, I think, to Russell Wilson's process, the Look, Russell I Wilson get what, experience. I get what you're saying, and it makes but it's a lot also, of sense. But I'm also but, basing it on the strength of his work and him sure, as a coordinator. Sure, but if you're going to be the head coach, don't, don't you have to have – if you were given, given the chance to coach the Denver Broncos, right? Yeah. Would you want to be able to name your own staff, or would you want to be told, hey, Nate – Love that you're our head coach, but listen, we'd like you to uh, work with this yeah. holdover yeah. and this holdover, and uh, maybe you can find a role for this guy because we really like him or <clears throat> we're still paying him. How would you feel about that? That I would not want. Okay. However, um, if there was existing staff members that I actually did like and valued their work and thought they would be good, I would want the, the ability to keep them around. Sure. And I just think that it's a delicate situation taking over a program, even if, even if it's a bad team. Josh McDaniels, right, took over this program, clear-cut the forest, burned everything to the ground. He had a good start, 6-0, and but then everything else fell apart. He took over for a, not a bad team either. We were 8-8. Eight and eight. We were 8-5 and five at one point. We had a very talented team, and he wasn't able to get that going in the right direction. So I think that figuring out who to keep and who to let go is a, is a fine line for a new coach. You know, Josh McDaniels did the same thing in, in, in Vegas. He took over for Rich Basaccia, who was like the emotional leader there, and he had galvanized these guys. I think he went seven and what John Gruden was fired after five games. They were three and two, and the Raiders ended up going what ten and seven and making the playoffs under Rich Basaccia. So so he went ten or seven and five. And then they let him go. And they let his whole staff go. And so I think that you got to be careful with that because there are connections that are made with players and coaches that actually translate onto the football field. And this Broncos team went through a lot last year. You know, I know they would look back at it 5-12, and 12, disappointing, you guys suck at football. But those dudes were in there every day, dealing with those expectations, dealing with the fear of getting cut and fired and watching their coach walk out the door and all this crap that was happening. Those guys went through a lot. And they also came together at the end of the season a little bit. To the point where they learned something. They started playing better football, trusting each other a little better out there. That's the type of stuff you got to capture because it leads to the next season. So you got to be careful just kind of wiping that out. But it's, be, it's that time that you spend together that you're talking about that whatever Ivero can, can share with Sean Payton about Russell Wilson – Sean's going to find that out anyway after just a, a few meetings. Whatever, really? Well, yeah, sure. Be, just because of the on, just because, because of the amount of time that they spend together, then whatever Evero's going to be able to tell him, Peyton's going to learn on his own. Okay. So then it does then it does come down to hey, I'm going to be here 16 hours a day. The coaches I work with, I need to be comfortable with. Gary Kubiak was was unbelievably loyal to his assistants at the end here, yeah, and. His rationale was always, if I'm going to be here this long, grinding it out, I want to be working with guys I get along with. Oh, I get that. And the other thing, too, is Sean Payton comes from the Bill Parcells tree. And one thing Bill Parcells has always said, when you come into a new situation, you do strip it down to the studs. You get rid of everybody, everything, you put right down to the nails. You put in new carpet, everything. So if Payton... 
is truly a disciple of Bill Parcells, and I would I would suspect he would come in with that kind of mindset as well. Yeah, he might. He might. Then Texter's pointing out that, well, a couple things. Maybe Evero doesn't even want to be here. Okay, so you wouldn't want to retain a coach that doesn't want to be here anyway. Also, someone mentioned about um, Flores' lawsuit. Does he have it? I don't know where that. I, I, I'll be honest. This report just dropped, so I don't know the what Broncos the status were of that named is. in that. Last yes, they year. were. But well, D'Amico Ryan sued the Texans. Yeah, exactly. That didn't seem to stop him, did it? No. <laughs> so, coming up, do you want to get this Jamal Murray reaction from last night? I, I think it's awesome, and it speaks to why you can start thinking really big as a Nuggets fan. That's coming up next. You're going to need a bigger boat. It's time for Schlereth and Evans' big story of the day. Why? It's just that you're so, you're so big. Here's Schlereth and Evans with this morning's biggest story in Denver sports. Big, 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 huge. Nate Jackson saying in for a stink who's on his way out to Philadelphia. He says it's for a speaking engagement. I think he's just going to be sitting down hammering out a game plan for the Super Bowl with Nick Sirianni. Is he going to the Super Bowl? Sharing his systems. Mark will be have systems. Mark is going to be out there for uh, for Fox okay. next week. So we will have a presence at the Super Bowl. Looking forward to it. When Just, will we have a larger presence? <laughs> I know. Bowl, I want right? to go back to the Super Bowl. Come on. Last time we were there was uh, Miami. That was a lot of fun. Who played in that one? Oh, who did play in that one? <laughs> We've been lucky enough to go to a, a, a lot of Super Bowls, so I'm. Who was in the Miami Super Bowl? Uh, Fever, can you look that up real quick? I honestly don't remember. How many years ago? It was uh, it was the 2019 season. It was 2020. We were out there right okay. before uh, COVID hit. Right before San Fran and KC. Right before everything changed. Right forever. Everything changed. And here, I think we'll ever get back to normal. Are we back to normal? Yeah, we're back. Hundred percent. If not 100, close. So just to reset the Broncos story. So Sean Payton did meet with Ijero Ivero Wednesday night and talked again yesterday. Vic Fangio going to Miami. Uh, But in the wake of those meetings with Ivero in Rappaport, uh, saying that the Broncos have requested to interview Brian Flores, who's with the Steelers now. Flores, of course, a, a very successful defensive coordinator with New England uh, for the defensive coordinator position under Sean Payton. So, what does that what does that tell you? Is it just is it is it uh, Payton doing his due diligence? Or we had Adam Schefter on yesterday, and boy, Adam made it sound like Ivero to Minnesota is going to happen. But it's a lateral move, right? Yes, it is. So the Broncos would have to allow that to happen. And if I'm the Broncos, you ain't doing it. I'm going to ask for trade compensation. Mm, what are you asking for? Well, you're not going to get much, but... Sack of peanuts. Sack of peanuts. What, like an actual draft pick? Yeah, like a... Sure. What? Tra- trade trade compensation. What do you think's fair? I would say a late-round pick. Okay. No? Yes. Uh, no, I think so. Do you think that's being too hardline? I, I just is there an instance of that happening? Cuz you the idea is if it's if you're you you never stand in the way of somebody who's trying to move up. Yeah. So if they're getting a chance to they're a quarterback coach and they're getting an interview for an offensive coordinator position, you hey, go. Yeah. 
But if it's lateral, then you got to protect your your investment, especially if you want to keep them. But is there a precedent for that? A lateral movement being accompanied with a pick? Oh, boy. Right off the top of my head, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> They're good questions, but uh, right off the top of my head, a lateral move for a coordinator. Yeah. Do the, does, the, does the team just say, hey, we we want you to be happy, so go ahead, or do you play hardline and, and ask for Because George Payton has been a guy who, in since he's been here, when he makes a move, when he deals a guy or whatever, he talks about wanting to do right by them. Mm-hmm. He wants to do right by them. He wants to do right by Vaughn. He wants to do right by Bradley. He wanted to do right by Malik Reed. He wants to do right by these guys and put them in a situation that's advantageous to them. Do you think he's thinking about the same thing when it comes to Ejero Ivero? Hey, maybe. Maybe that was how he used to look at it in the past. He but can't do that If anymore. I'm George Payton right now, I'm like, hey, I'm... Um what? I I I, I got to earn my stripes here with the new guy. Yeah. So why are you being so nice to everyone who's leaving? Right, right. right. Be, be nice to the guys that are coming. Yeah, be a little bit more of a hard ass, you know. Uh, Troy Rank, our Denver Seven Insider, just uh, tweeted out: Ivero is not out in Denver, but it could play out that way. So Peyton has to be prepared, meaning talking to somebody else. That so, makes sense. And keep in mind that if you keep Ivero. And then after this year, he goes on to become a coach somewhere, head coach. Yep. You get two third-round compensatory picks. Is that a reason to keep him? Uh, the reason, no. A reason, sure. Yeah. If you like him and you think he's a really good coordinator, and if he were to leave, it would be a lateral move, yeah, I would. I would try to keep him. You think he, do you think he did a good job last year? I think he did a good job. I think you try to keep him because you like him as your coach. That's why. But if when you, you start know to that, leverage the rules like that in hopes that maybe he could be this, like that's when it gets a little icky yeah, to me, but for I think. a team that is, yeah, but you say it's icky, but the NFL put this in place as a means of encouraging yeah. diversity and well, this hiring is a larger minority candidates. They said, hey, look, we'll throw out the, the carrot of two third-round picks. So you shouldn't as a team all of a sudden when the NFL is – Making that available to you, you shouldn't all of a sudden say, well, that's not the right thing to do. Well, blah, blah, blah. no, but has the Rooney rule worked? Ooh, that's debatable. And, I, but this is along those lines. This, this is along those lines, yeah. And so this is these are rules that the NFL put in to try to increase the prominence of minority coaches. But the Rooney rule hasn't worked. And this one, I don't know, man. You're keeping a guy around because you hope that his skin color brings you a draft pick? No, it's with the idea that you know that eventually he's going to be a head coach anyway. Okay. And so if that's going to happen and you like him and you think he's a good coach. That's the part that's most important. Then why would you just say, hey, go off to Minnesota when we'd like to have you here. We think you're a good coach. We know you're going to be a head coach. And if that happens, we get a couple of third round picks as well. And we become an example that the NFL will hold up as a. A real positive. Yeah. Well, everyone's saying he's going to be head coach anyway, right? Yeah, so so I think you keep him around if you like him as your coach and if you think he's better than Brian Flores or you know can get more out of this unit. What's Brian Flores going to do if he comes in? How's he going to change the dynamics of this defense? that performed it, I think, at a pretty high level. Mijiro um, Evero took over for Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio, a very, very good football coach, not a great head coach, 
But I think instilled a foundation in some of these players that Ijiro Evero has been able to build on and will continue to build on. Well, that's a good question, though. How much of it is Ivero and how much of it did he just simply yeah. not screw up what Vic had put in place? Yeah. Well, I mean, he put in his own wrinkles, right? A couple of wrinkles uh, there. Wrinkles. Yeah. I love wrinkles. Um, so, so I think he, he added his own creative flair to it. But you're right. Vic Fangio should be credited for a lot of what these guys did. The defense the previous year was similar. Mm-hmm. Maybe didn't turn, turn get as many turnovers. They weren't as as horny for the ball. Uh, but um, I like that. <laughs> uh, Kub, Gary like Kubiak used to say that when we were ta- when we were talking about a play, an offensive play. Yeah. And uh, as a receiver, you're, you're, you either block the corner here, or if the safety gets horny, you got to go down there and block yes. him because he's going to be coming to stuff that run. I like that. Yeah. I'm going to do that. So, yeah, he's a little hornier as a defensive coordinator than Vic was. Yeah. But if Vic's template is one that everybody's using or 80% of the NFL is using, right? if that's the template and it was put into place here and they've been using it, then is it really that hard to find defensive coordinators? I mean, when you put it like that, no, because... We all watch film. It's a copycat league. It's not that hard to see what everyone's doing. And and Vic has implemented this very conservative, keep everything in front of you, go ahead and complete the four-yard passes. We're eventually going to stop you in the red zone where your ability to take advantage of our space shrinks. We'll hold you to a field goal and we'll be considered a good defense. Um, but um, they don't take a lot of chances. And oftentimes, as we saw at the end of games, they couldn't hold up when it mattered, Right. They needed to make a stop when the game was on the line, and, and several times they didn't. So, um, But that's not because of the system, I don't think. I just think, look, the, the offense has been so bad around here that it's, that it's put the defense in the difficult position from time to time. We want to see a 21-point win every once in a while, where it didn't matter what happened in the last drive. Coming up, the one comment from Jamal Murray last night that should get Nugget fans absolutely pumped for an NBA Finals run. That's next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Schlereth and Evans. Hey, Jackson, in for uh, Stink, who had to bolt a little bit early, uh, flying back east to do a uh, engagement in Philadelphia. Can I tell he's, you something that happened? He's kind of a big deal. He is. He's a very big deal. Big deal. Can I tell you something that happened to me on the way up in the elevator? Sure. So uh, a couple months ago, I had... You crop dust? No. I had a plumber come in and, and look at some issues that I have. I have a very old home, and there's a lot of stuff that I want to be done. And he you know, took detailed notes. He told me he was going to get back to me with a bid, and he never did. And I called him, left him a message, didn't hear back from him, texted him, never heard back from him. I'm like, man, that's that stinks. Just saw him in the elevator. Really? I'm like, hey, man, I'm not going to say his name. I'll say his name, Steve. I'm like, hey... Your name's Steve. He's like, yeah, like, yeah. You came and uh, uh, did an estimate at my house uh, a couple months ago. He's like, did you end up going with us? I was like, no. You never called me back. He's Ooh. like, really? He's like, did you get the work done? I'm like, no, not yet. He's like, do you have a card? I'm like, no, no, we're done, man. <laughs> That's it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go back to that well if you never hit me back. This is all in the elevator. Oh yeah, just now, just before I came up here. He's like, what? Well, do you still want the job? I'm like, no. Oh, man, if, you there call me a, if there was ever a time that an elevator would break down, I wish it happened right then. <laughs> it was a little awkward, but but it was a good awkward because it's like you rarely bump into those people in right. life. 
who like just ghosted you. Right. This guy goes. I mean, he's been a lot of time at the house because there's a bunch of stuff that I have to work out because it's a very old home. And uh, and then he just ghosted me. Wow. He was all enthusiastic about doing it. And That's the, like that moment whenever you have like an argument with somebody and then you walk away and go, oh, darn, yeah. I wish I had said that. Yeah, yeah. That would have been a good line. <laughs> you got that opportunity. I did. You did. I, I mean, I didn't and say didn't anything cool. It. No, but I didn't say anything that cool, you know. No, but he, you shot him down. He's like, well, let me get, let me, yeah. let, let's do this again. You're yeah, like, I'm like nah, 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 I'm good. Nah, I'm good. I'm yeah. done. I think you've shown me your true colors, sir. <laughs> Well, that, so much that, that's what you should have yeah, said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the Nuggets played last night. A lot of subplots to their win last night. But I think the biggest thing that came out is Bones Highland is in the doghouse. Bones Highland did not play. Bones Highland is not happy with his role. And the Nuggets look at Bones Highland as, hey, look, you're, you're a gifted player. You got a lot of talent. You got a bright future. But for where we're at right now, trying to win a championship, we, we can't have that up and down type personality in our midst. Mm. And there's been some de- debate about that. Is Michael Malone doing the right thing? Is he handling Bones Highland the right way? It certainly looks like Bones is on the way out in some kind of trade here coming up. Well, Jamal Murray yesterday was asked about the way that Michael Malone is handling players. This one, this one gave me goosebumps. Here you go. Yeah, we're a championship team. So all that stuff, we're not being happy is got to go out the window. We're not going to win. So um, it's nice to have a coach that knows that and knows what we're trying to accomplish and sometimes puts feelings aside and sometimes embraces them. Um, So just got to know time and place. I love that. What it... How do you hear that? Yeah, clearly he, and he's probably speaking for a lot of guys in that locker room that they're not down with what Bones is doing, um, that Bones needs to be a better teammate and that he's not being a good teammate right now. Like Jamal said, they believe they're a championship team, four games ahead in the West. So they have a good reason to believe that. They're performing that way. And they need everybody moving in the right direction, man. And it's like, you know, one bad apple can spoil the bunch and can create some tension or some unease in the locker room that can trickle out onto the court. I just think that um, I'm, I'm just confused as to what Bones wants that he's not getting. Like, what is the role that he would want? Does he want to be a starting point guard? Well, no, I think he wants he wants regular minutes. He, I, I But think he was he, getting well, regular bench was, minutes. And he, was, he wasn't living up to them. And then he started to see his minutes decline. And then he wasn't happy with that. So, so to me, is there not a, uh, is there a lack of communication explaining why you're not getting these minutes? You're not playing as well. You need to be better. And if you're not playing well, you don't play. Like every team I've ever been on, that's how it is. If you're not playing well, you don't play. If he's not taking advantage of those minutes, it shouldn't be a surprise to him that he's not getting more of them. Right now, he needs to go to a place, a bad team that's just rebuilding and is accumulating as many young players as they can and letting them play. And that's where he needs to go. For a team that's trying to win it all right now, you know that when you get into the playoffs, you're going to be dealing with a tight, t- much tighter rotation. You're probably going to go eight, maybe nine deep in the playoffs. And so those... Guys, especially six through eight, six through nine, they got to know their role. They got to know it. They got to understand it. They've got to be comfortable with it. And they've got to be prepared to make the the most of it. And if you've got somebody right now who's not going to be part of that rotation and is not going to be happy about it or is going to be part of that rotation and isn't necessarily going to be happy with his role, you got to get him out of here. 
He's 22 years old, too. And so if, if I'm his agent, if I'm the people in his life, I'm advising him, hey, man, you're 22 and you're on a championship team. Right. Just be cool, man. Right, right. You ride this out for two or three years. You're 25 with, with you know, a lot of basketball ahead of you. Yep. Maybe you got a ring and you got a ton of experience, and now you have all the opportunities in front of you. Mm-hmm. Look at Jordan Poole, you know, with the Golden State Warriors. He wants to be the man, yep. but he also understands he's on a team where that's not possible. And so he did just get a big he just contract, contract right. but, but that was after last season, yep. after the championship, and he found himself a a guy coming off the bench, a role player, and really someone that the Nuggets didn't have an answer for last year. So I think that he could be a huge asset to this team if he would just fall in because mm-hmm. you're on a team, man. It's not about you. You're 22. Bide your time. You're going to have your time. Like you said, he's 22. Come yeah. on. Yeah. All of us can remember what it was like to be 22. You can remember what it was like to be a 22-year-old athlete. Are you sure 22-year-old Nate Jackson would be able to understand all that? Well, twenty-two-year-old Nate, Nate Jackson was in a different position, right? And and I was so I was happy to make a team when I did, and and I would do anything it took to stay on that team. I was a guy who, you know, what the coach when the coach told me to jump, I'd say how high because mm-hmm. I was honored that I was on the team. Right. I felt blessed to be on the, in the situation, so I'm going to do everything I possibly can to stick around. That means being a team player. But what if you saw your role, which had been pretty significant, yeah, get reduced? You know, things things change fast in the world of sports. Guys get hurt. You know, Jamal Murray's been an injured player. What happens if Jamal gets hurt in, in game three of the first playoff series? Bones is all of a sudden going to be much more important. You know, bide your time there, Bones. Stay in shape. Keep your mind right. Do what's asked of you. That's the type of thing that pays dividends. Not forcing your way out, in my opinion, especially in the middle of a in the middle see, of a run to, like see, this. To me, and this is why I love that comment from Jamal. Let me let me play it again. Yeah, we're a championship team, so all that stuff we're not being happy is gotta go out the window. Or else we're not gonna win. So um, it's nice to have a coach that knows that and knows what we're trying to accomplish, and sometimes puts feelings aside and sometimes embraces them. Um, so just gotta know time, time and place. Now listen to that without even thinking about bones. Now don't even think about bones. And now listen to that comment. Now it's like, okay, this group, they're not just happy to be here. They have designs on winning a championship. That's all they're about. And they feel this is the kind of attitude, mentality, you have to have to win a championship. I love that. So so considering that, do you think that they're ready to have Bones gone? The guys in the locker room oh, yeah. want him gone. Yeah. So then you got to deal him. Yeah, he's gone. If if everybody wants him gone yeah. and knows that he's he, he's he's a detriment to what they're trying to do, mm-hmm. you got to get him out of there. The other thing too, James Merrillat had to be gritting his teeth as he heard Jamal Murray speak up for his coach like that. <laughs> that does uh, that because we, we know that Nikola Jokic is in Michael Malone's corner, and it sure sounds like Jamal Murray is too. How is James not in Michael Malone's corner? First place in the West, man. Ah, James likes to fire coaches. He wanted to fire Jared Bednar right up until like the day of the Avs won he the did. cup. He did. That's just his thing. How long do you think until for James until Sean Payton's on the hot seat? <laughs> well, he's already made it clear he wanted to meet Orion, so Yeah. But as far as the two best players on the Nuggets have Michael Malone's back. How much does that matter when you're trying to win a championship? It's everything. It's everything. Yeah. And it says a lot about Michael Malone. Because a lot of times there's an adversarial relationship with coaches and players. You know, they're not always on the same page. And players don't always understand the psychology 
of what a coach is trying to do. You know, they can be emotional or defensive of a teammate. You know, when a coach is trying to teach him a lesson or, or, or you know, using tough love or doing things that the, the young player doesn't like. Sometimes players side with the player, and to see that the players are not siding with the player but understand the psychological approach of their head coach means that they are all moving in the same direction. Now, I think it's great that Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Michael Malone are all on the same page. That's awesome. Okay, now you got to deliver, the three of you. If if this is the the trio, the coach and the two best players, and you guys are all in in lockstep, that's great. Now the pressure's on the three of you to lead this thing to a championship, yeah, or at least to the finals. Can they do it? Someone on the text line saying, "LOL, they're not a championship team." LOL. Have you ever typed LOL? I haven't done LOL in a long time. Have you ever? Oh yeah. See, I refuse to do it. If you don't get my humor. I'm not going to put LOL on it. Yeah, but you're a... Create some confusion Yeah, but see, though. you're a very intelligent... There's a, there's a certain sarcasm to you. So I don't know if I would know right away if it was you being funny or right. if you're just being kind of a Richard Nine. Yeah. Right? So I but probably I, would But need, I kind of like that confusion. I know you like that. You like to sow confusion. But I, on the receiving end of something from you, I might need that LOL. I'll remember that. But we are birthday twins. We are birthday. We're both Gemini's. That's and right. We're both born June on June fourth. Yeah. But, 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 but if if you see the, once the emojis came. Yeah, you're not an emoji I guy. I well, no, I love the emojis. Do you? I don't need to do LOL. You anymore. know what the worst I'd part of these? I'd rather just these, go with an emoji. <laughs> I love the emojis. These mo- these new MacBook Pros, they have this like toolbar thing up at the top where you're typing, and then it's got all these emojis up at the top that yeah. it's suggesting you use while you're typing. Yeah. People just use emojis while they're typing, like a paper. Why do you need, why do you need the emojis? Why do you need emojis on a look, laptop? Look, Grandpa. Uh, yes. I hey, love emojis. What's your favorite emoji? Do you have one? Oh, that's a great question. What is my go-to emoji? The poop emoji? Or? No, that stinks. Water? No, I love the uh, the laughing face with the uh, the, tear, the the tears coming down. It's funny how it's one not emoji crying. Can... It's the laughing with the tears. That's my that's my go-to emoji. Yeah. It's funny how an emoji can piss you off so much, you know, like if someone just uh, insults you and then does like a little laughing, crying face. It's like, oh, you got me. <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. I'll throw it out there and we're done. But, you know, do you have, listener, do you have a favorite go-to? What's your go-to emoji? Do you have a go-to emoji? Do you? I don't. You don't use them? No. You don't? Rarely. So you don't use emojis and you don't do LOLs. Right. Oh, you are a cunning, cunning man. And I send letters that I wrote on a typewriter. <laughs> Have you little, got my letter put a, yet? Put a little stamp on that. Lick the envelope. Here you go. Send it to the post office. Hey, thanks for filling in. Anytime. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. You will be joined up uh, with uh, Chad Brown. Chad Brown. Is uh, Orlando still in, uh, what is it, Guada, Guadalajara or Guatemala? Where is Mala, it? Yeah. Guatemala. Yeah. Okay, Guadalajara won't do. So Guatemala is where he's at. Chad coming in with the Players Club next.
When your team is in hot water and you need a break from the play-by-play, Bath Fitter can install your tub or shower in just one day. And just like a coach, Bath Fitter is in your corner offering a watertight, seamless wall. A design consultant will take accurate measurements of your tub or shower and recommend the products that fit your budget. Bath Fitter has special financing available with no money down and no interest for up to five years. Now that's a game changer. Visit bathfitter.com to book your in-home consultation. Bath Fitter, it just fits. 